What is up? This is John Michael Banks. This is the Alpha American Podcast. As always, joined with Eric Hawthorne. Thank you all for joining us again. Thank you all for joining us. We got a lot to talk about today. We got a great episode uh, going into it. The intro track we were going to be using was actually from Midwest Saloon. Uh, we had Michael Michael Ramon Williams as well as Paul Washington, who was also featuring a spoken word portion of the song "I Can't Breathe," which we will uh, which we have currently played on the intro of this episode. So if you enjoy that, please look. Look for them online, Midwest Saloon or Michael Ramon Williams on Facebook and hit them up. It's a great song. It's a very deep track. Uh, Paul Washington, I've always admired his uh, poetry. So if you like spoken word, uh, check that out. Uh, details in the episode description. Before I get started on our main issues, I just want to tell everybody to check out a short film now available on YouTube by a brother by the name of Tristan Hill called Foxes. It details a uh, struggle of a man with mental illness as well as dealing with issues of suicide and i just think everybody should take take a moment out their day it's a short film so please check that out this brother's from st louis uh been facebook friends with him for years now so i'm I'm really glad he was able to put that out and it's great a great short film you know eric i know you enjoy films just like i enjoy films so if you have a moment and, and mental health is something that's uh High on your priority list, you might want to check it out. All right, will do. Yeah, so let's get into it. First off, uh, Candace Owens, as we all know, is a horrible person. Uh, she just, as many of you probably know, made some statements about George Floyd's death and saying she will not make a criminal a martyr. And as we all know, it's just something crazy to say with all this going on in the country, all the all the unrest going on. And, and she is really just a despicable human being. Uh, like I was telling you before, I, I do think she was just a troll at first, but now she's drank the Kool-Aid. She's all the way in the sunken place. And it, it's just baffling because we do have those individuals who frequent Fox News to be their black talking head to reinforce those those points that they just want to hear black people talk about and say, oh, see, a black person thinks that, too. So so my my thought frame is rationalized. She's just a a. You know, I really didn't have a problem with Candace Owens. I agree with certain things she's talked about, like how we do need to branch out from the uh, Democratic Party and start making our own decisions based off our own personal interests. I I do agree with certain things that she has said. I do think we need black Republicans. I'm not against black Republicans. I think that's what makes this country work is having someone on both sides so we can come to some sort of middle ground. But she is really riding that horse to the to the Confederate uh, cookout. (laughs) She is. She's 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 really just renouncing just I I, just like people renounce their letters with Greek life. She renounced her blackness. She was just like, yo, whatever white folks want me to say is coming out my mouth because I I just find it super hard that she really believes this stuff. No, I've talked about it before. I definitely think that Candace Owens is a troll. um, But like you, she's probably all the way in the sunken place now because some of the things that come out of her mouth are just preposterous and what she said about george floyd i think was really inappropriate How disgusting she, right inappropriate inappropriate i make a joke <clears throat> at a wedding that that's not the right place for you saying that you're not going to make a criminal a martyr for this this movement it doesn't matter this is what white people i think get confused on white people in candace owens 
it doesn't matter if this man was committing a crime is did this crime justify his murder that's the conversation we need to be having not if he was doing something wrong just like uh if old boy was selling cigarettes outside which he wasn't that doesn't mean a cop gets to put a chokehold on him and kill him right if somebody's running from the police, and this has been a, a huge uh, uh, conversation that has split the community, is, is whether or not police should be able to fire on bl- uh, people who are run- fleeing fleeing in, in, in hot pursuit. I don't think it, it justifies, except for if that person is armed, if that person is dangerous, if that person has already harmed someone, right. that might justify a uh, cop using deadly force. I, I know you probably saw the, the new case that happened in Atlanta with the young black man who fell asleep at his car at a Wendy's and, and the cops, you know, came and did a sobriety check and he took a taser and ran off and the cops shot him. Right. Yeah, I did see that. I saw that this morning, actually. Yeah. And that because that situation is, OK, this dude did wrestle two cops to the floor, did grab a taser and did point it at them. That gives the cops some sort of legal legal justification to be like, well, we shot him. We thought he was going to use a taser on us and then he could steal a real gun and then, you know, actually shoot and kill us. But, you know, with half of the cities in America, you know, having protests or burning stuff, I really don't see them, you know, using that logic. But in the past, I could really see them saying, "Okay, that's that's justifiable. Let them off. Well, still in this situation, I don't necessarily see it as justifiable. I mean, there are more shades of gray in this particular instance. But I think what we forget is the police are here to help us, not just help white people. He's sleep. He's not actually operating the vehicle uh and then you know we had a situation last year i believe when uh the mayor of kansas city the current mayor of kansas city uh was asleep behind the wheel in lawrence and he had you know been drinking and then you know the cops took him to jail yeah we talked about that on the pod i feel like everything we have talked about on this podcast has come full so and and what a fitting Way to end the Alpha American podcast proper. We are still going to continue with our podcast, but under the title of Alpha American podcast, we will be relaunching for those of you who have mm-hmm. didn't catch last episode, last two episodes. But yeah, just, just a proper way for us to, to send off this, this title is everything we've talked about in the past year and a half. It's like it's, they're reaping what they sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the chickens are coming home. The chickens roost. coming home to roost. Uh, it, definitely. It, Definitely. And it's crazy. Like we did talk about that man just sleeping in his car. Go back and check out that episode. I have to insert which episode that was in the post-production. But we talked about this. It's no back in the old days. If a cop found you drunk in a car, they would either tell you to call somebody to pick you up or they would drive you home themselves. Yeah, and I don't understand if he had somebody in, within the vicinity that could have even picked him up, or he could have been dropped off. I, I, I he said he's a couple blocks I, on the on the the body cam footage they were uh, released. He said he was just a couple blocks home. He just wanted to stop for get something to eat. He could call somebody to come pick him up. And the first cop who was on the scene was was totally cool. He was like, "Hey, just pull pull over in this parking lot over here, chill out for a second, get some more sleep if you want." You know, he was super cool with the guy. And then the second cop is the one who actually. Shot, shot the guy. He came and he was just like, well, you're slurring everything. We're going to have to do a field sobriety test. And then he's like, we're going to put you in handcuffs. And that's when he started flipping out. Right. And it's just sad. They burned that Wendy's. They burned it down. Yeah. they. they I guess the Wendy's were the one who called the cops. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just one of those situations. Like I said, I don't think this is a justifiable homicide situation. I do think this is a situation where the individual gave the police ammunition to say we're justified, though. 
Okay. It's not as open and shut as George Floyd as a man with a knee on his neck for nine minutes being being murdered on tape. It's more of a, a cop has, a, you know, that gray area. But moving forward, I don't know if that that gray area is going to be so broad because people are legitimately trying to get police reform. I don't know if you've been seeing, but they've been trying to uh, dismantle and, and defund the police departments across the country, which I don't know how that's going to play out. But I, I'm all for action. Yeah, I've heard about that. That seems to be pretty a pretty popular uh, thought process right now about defunding the police and reallocating those uh, resources to you know housing, to uh, mental health, to community patrols and stuff like that. So I'm a huge proponent of community patrol. I can remember back in one of my uh, int- introduction to policing courses back at UMKC, and they talked about when policing was most effective is when the police had a relationship with the community. They had uh, the foot beats. They'd have beat cops who would walk walk around areas every day. And, and one cop who came and spoke to our class said, you know, he was one of the last last uh, classes that got to do that. And he was just telling me how he was patrolling an urban area with a predominantly black neighborhood. And he was a white man. Mm-hmm. And he was just saying how he knew the the, the drunk that hang, hung, hung around on the corner. He knew the old ladies who, who stayed on the porch, you know, watching everything. He knew everybody in that neighborhood. So when anything did pop off, they were able to go and talk to him and have an open relationship. You know, if if the drunk was passed out on the corner, he would be able to say, all right, let's get him up and get him home. As opposed to somebody seeing a drunk for the first time, be like, well, we got to treat him as a hostile. Right. And, um, you know. People in our area probably should realize that we have something similar downtown. Um, in downtown Kansas City, we have uh, a patrol that goes around in uh, there. I believe they're hired by the city. They're not affiliated with the police department. However, business owners and, um, you know, the like will call upon these in- individuals to handle people who may be loitering outside their business or be um, drunk or passed out, you know, Things that don't require police presence, uh, you know, these are small, you know, relatively small situations that occur or arise. And so they rely on these individuals. Now, if there's something where it's a lot of hostility and uh, you see someone who may be violent, then you do call the police department. However, the businesses down in downtown Kansas City re- re- rely on this uh, group of people to come by and assess the situation. I think they're only armed with like handcuffs and pepper spray or something like that. I don't see how police in Europe and police in the UK are able to, you know, go around without guns. I I understand we're a gun country, like everybody has guns. So our cops probably should have guns, but I, I do think it's possible to patrol without any kind of lethal force. How do you feel about community policing? Not necessarily a police force, but just like the way the black Panthers patrolled their community. So if there was an issue, they would step in instead of saying, let's call the cops and, and it, it potentially turning into a situation where somebody's arrested, got a prison record or somebody gets shot and killed because they were belligerent. I don't I don't see a real issue with community policing as long as these are people that grew up within the community who care True. about the community, who care about the individuals that reside within that community. These are people that are looking out for the best interests of that community because they are a part of it. 
So I think I don't see an issue with that. Once again, we've talked about this on the podcast to extent is is one of the most important things is police being from that environment. It makes no sense if you're from Knob Noster, Missouri, to be patrolling in metropolitan Kansas City, Missouri. And you you don't know what the culture is. You don't know what the community is. You just uh just implanted into that community and just like if i was a, a kansas city native like i am and, and got put in warrensburg or got put in in smithville or any of those small missouri towns where i don't know the demographic i don't know the people i don't know the community i'm probably going to have some hostile encounters too mm-hmm. and, it, and it goes just either way it, i feel like the most effective policing is going to come from the community my brother i've been talking to him i've been having some very deep conversations with him as many of you who listen to the podcast know he became a sheriff's deputy last year and it's it's by far been the best move he's ever made in his life he's made so many dramatic changes to his life and just his outlook on everything it just it warms my heart to see my brother who did come from the streets make that change and and if you if you come from that environment you know how random and just out the blue it is for or a black man to say i'm going to be a police officer or i'm going to join the police academy and join law enforcement and he, he has asked to come on the podcast so when we relaunch i would love love to have him on because he has a very different perspective and it, it's just totally different hearing everything from the other side and hearing how he talks to his police captains and they talk about the problems going on in the community and what they need to do to solve them and how excited they were to have him this black guy from the street of kansas city be a police officer like you would think they'd be like nah we don't want this black guy but they're super psyched to have this dude on their team because he's what what people need he, he's been able to de-escalate situations because he knows how to talk to the people i think it'd be a good idea to have your brother on i think that sounds like a great idea absolutely but. one of the reasons we're re- relaunching just <laughs> broaden out our audience broaden out our uh our resource stream so yeah, we definitely look forward to, to speaking with him about that. And here's his outlook on things from the other side. It's been very interesting talking to him just with everything going on with the protest and whatnot. And just crazy. Uh, I don't know if you, if you, if you, uh, been seeing, uh, Terrence Maddox, Big T from UMKC. He's been hit that, that clip of him being, being thrown to the ground and pepper sprayed by the police. It's been making national news. It's been on CNN. I saw it on last week tonight with John Oliver. That's where I, where I saw it as well. Yeah, that's crazy. Just to be like, oh, that's Terrence. Oh, wow, that's the clip. And it's just crazy. But yeah, shout out to him. He's out here doing this work. Shout out to everybody out here who's been organizing and being community leaders. Uh, Abdul Yahira, I was just at his event. Uh, Corey Jarvis also helped throw that, uh, throw that together at the Negro Leagues Museum on 18th and Vine. It was a very beautiful event. I love to see our community come together. We need to have more of these events events that's not issue or, or or centered around violence or centered around some sort of community change we just need to have these events as a community just to be like hey we need to come together as a family we need to relearn what it feels like to be around each other exactly you I know think that's a good idea we do because i feel like it, it was none it was, i was i can't remember the last time i went to a, a function like that and wasn't looking over my shoulder or, you know, keeping my head on a swivel to be like, let me watch out for the people who's going to make some stuff pop off. It was beautiful. And, and you know, for somebody like me from my community, it, it was just a different experience. And I wish we had more of that in the city, uh, around the world, all the communities. And we do need to work towards that. Uh, but yeah, Can- Candace Owens, uh, once again, she also got married. So congratulations to her. To her husband, uh, I don't know his name, but I'm gonna call him Scott. He looks like a Scott. 
I don't know. Uh, I think he's uh, British or something. Get out of here. No, I think they're from across the pond. Gosh, that makes me feel so horrible. I love British people, but <sighs> damn it, Scott. Why would you marry this? And then I saw the picture of their wedding. It just looks like there was no black people at all. Her parents were there. Were they? Were they in the back? Were they did they have to come in through the back? Yeah. Like all the people I saw was white. Now maybe they did have it in England. That would explain, but there's black people in England too, so who knows? Moral of the story is Candace Owens a horrible person, and I really hope Jesus touches her heart. She's just so far gone. But then again, she might have an Amorosa moment where the right turns against her and she's just like, Hey guys, I'm back. Yeah, Omarosa, I don't know what happened to her. She had a precipitous descent into, like, madness or something was going on with her, but I still don't believe her. Well, that's what happens when you sell out and then expect the community to be on your side. Just like O.J. Simpson, like, don't leave the community behind, and then you need us, and it's like, hey, guys, I'm back. Michael Jackson, leave the community behind, and then you got a court case, and it's like, hey, guys. <laughs> They want to bring a black man down. It's like, hold on, buddy. You ain't been black for a while. Remember, do you, are you, do you remember when, uh, his album Invincible came out and he said that Sony wasn't publicizing it the way they should? Yeah, they weren't promoting it. Because he was black. It's just, it's just, uh, yeah, he was saying stuff about Illuminati and then he had Al Sharpton with him. He was a slave. Yeah. And then the Nation of Islam. And I was just like, what? He, He went full black. (laughs) <laughs> like he never left. And I was just like, am I stupid? Am I the, the crazy one? Or did this man literally turn his black back on the black community and then just pop back up like they're discriminating against us? Like, no, they're not. Plenty of black artists are getting albums publicized. They just don't want to work with you. Mm. Maybe it's all those child molestation cases. Who knows? Not saying he did anything with those children, but stop sleeping in beds with kids. Just protect yourself is all I'm saying. Candace Owens is a horrible person, in case anybody forgot that. That's the moral of the story there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think she does. She is so bad. She makes Omarosa look like like Harriet Tubman. You think so? Is that I, bad? That bad. Like I only other person I can think of is that bad is that that black guy that they have on Fox News who talks very slow and is like, Well, why would the black people burn things up? They're just lazy. I'm not quite sure who you're talking about, but I'll pull him up for you. He's ridiculous. Like when you think of, he's like Uncle Ruckus. He's like a full blown Uncle Ruckus. Well, I was about to say is Candace Owens the female Uncle Ruckus? Candace Owens, Uncle Ruckus? No, Candace Owens is. I feel like she's just been indoctrinated, and she's like the cult, the second in command to the cult leader. Okay. I just feel like she's the gung ho one who's like execute them all. She drank the Kool-Aid and it's just so sad. Uh, I don't know if you've been seeing this, but there's been a petition circulating to have the KKK, uh, defined as a terrorist organization. Yeah. I, I've heard, I've seen that on social media and it should be. It, it should have been 150 years ago. Right. There. Does anybody take the Ku Klux Klan seriously anymore though? No. No. Okay. They're, they're so fragmented. Since like the 19, there was one major, there is, 
they have been the destruction of themselves over the course of years. They had a huge Midwest following. I don't know if you knew this, but I believe it was in Ohio or Indiana. They, I, know, I thought they were founded like in Indiana or something. No, they were founded in the South. Well, they have a huge following in Indiana. I believe one of. Uh, oh, that's right. The, was it the Kappa's founders? I can't remember. I think it was a couple of Kappa founders who got lynched. Uh, I think that's what happened. But yeah, they had this huge following in those upper Midwest states Mm -hmm. and they had big, it was bigger numbers than the South. You know, this is the second generation of the Klan, I believe early 1920s. And it was all brought down by the the leader of the Klan who raped a woman and beat her and like mutilated her. And on her deathbed, she was able to give this deathbed confession. And when he got arrested, he thought his clan buddies were pretty much going to throw the case out. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, like this, this crime is so horrific. And not to mention, he did it to a white woman. Right. They were like, you got to go to prison. And mm-hmm. so that's when he started dropping the dime on everything. And that destroyed the clan for uh, a number of years. And then they resurfaced. And I believe it was the Knights of the something. There was just another title. And then they got sued in 1993 when members perpetrated a lynching and the mother of the young black man actually sued them with the Southern Poverty Law Office Mm -hmm. and owned pretty much owned all the assets of the Klan. So that Mm -hmm. pretty much fractured all the major Klan groups. So now they're all just individual state by state groups, pretty much like the Confederacy. But yeah, they are small groups. They are not effective. Uh, They have to pretty much pull their resources with other states to make an impact or if they want to do a march or anything. It, it's just, they are very, I mean, like I said on the, on the Facebook page, if they do go ahead and label this, them as a terrorist organization, all they're going to do is go under a different name. Yeah. yeah I don't really think it's going to change anything. I understand this is just something that's should have been done a long time ago, maybe back when they were at their height of their power, lynching black people and and help, preventing them from voting or preventing them from working in places or living places or burning crosses on people's lawns or anything like that. Maybe that would have been more of effective. But this is America. So they were very apprehensive on calling people terrorists, even if they shoot up a mall or a school or a movie theater or, you know, I really had an issue, and when we reported last, that's when Trump was on the news talking about calling in the National Guard. And mm-hmm. He called the protesters and the rioters uh, domestic terrorists, and that infuriated me because uh, he hasn't called anyone who has been a mass shooter, any of these shootings, domestic terrorists. Yeah, I mean, there's some court, sort of uh, cognitive dissonance uh, with that. I don't understand what the president with his what his end game is really because now you know things are kind of turning i think even a lot of his supporters are kind of like hey you know we're we're kind of getting tired of the civil unrest but you will not hear him call these racist domestic terrorists although they are domestic terrorists and they're some of the oldest domestic terrorists in america and what he commonly refers to them are as is a very fine people. Uh, he sees no problems with their actions. And, you know, I think that's very problematic, um, you know, going forward for the, for the nation. I think if you have somebody, uh, at the very height of the executive branch, uh, basically condoning the behaviors of these groups, then 
why not for the common person say, you know what, it's not so bad uh, to say this to somebody or do this to somebody. Or you see people like in Utah taking a bow and arrow and shooting down protesters with the bow and arrow like they're hunting, you know. So, you know, it's just very scary and is a very poor example from uh, the person with the highest uh, with the most power in the highest office. Absolutely. It, it, it is getting to that point. And I don't know. It, it just comes from a matter of. Uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Just uh, fortitude mm. to disavow people who are despicable, who might make up your base. Like if, if we had an up jump in streams and then we found out that was from like the rapist community or the misogynistic community or the pedophile community, we would instantly disavow those people and be like, yo, don't listen to our podcast anymore. We don't, we don't need your streams. We don't need your support because we don't agree with you as people. Right. And I, I don't mean to bring up John McCain. Like he's some sort of, um, moderator or anything like that um but when he had that situation where the woman uh was saying that obama was a muslim or whatnot he he instantly disavowed yeah he instantly disavowed that and he said you know he's a very fine man we just have a different opinion and where we're going with the um direction of the country so president trump could do something as simple as that and he chooses not to time and time again, but he's appealing to a very small base of people. However, I don't think his base is like, I I mean, I I think they're getting tired of the civil unrest. I think they're like, okay, you know what? I'm down with you, but we're not going to keep having these protests, uh, this backlash, you know, you're supposed to be racist, but you're not supposed to say it out loud, you know, or. Yeah, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, racism. Right, right, right. Covert racism. It gets a lot more accomplished. And, uh, the president continues to, uh, bungle that time and time again. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought up John McCain because that's something I've also been thinking about is the Republicans we grew up with, mm-hmm. who we thought were horrible, horrible, racist, evil people like Bush and McCain. Mm-hmm. And now looking back at them, I have a certain amount of respect. <laughs> you have respect for them? Yeah, I have a, I actually got a, a lot of respect for George Bush because I understand he, he's, he's a, a dumb redneck, a rich, dumb redneck. Who probably coasted his whole life off of his daddy's accomplishment. But he, he worked with what he had. He, he didn't alienate groups. When Kanye said George Bush doesn't care about black people, he was quick to be like, nah, I definitely care about black people. This is what I'm doing. And he, he, he made a, an attempt to be like, let me reach out. It didn't seem fake either. It was just like, I understand black people don't like me, but let me try to show them who I am. John McCain, he's a respectable man. He's a, he's a war hero. Trump tried to throw him under the bus countless times and and never served. It was just despicable. So these men, I do have a certain level of renewed respect for them. Looking at Trump just with his his no type of scruples, no type of dignity, no type of just personal fortitude to be like, this is who I am. This is what I stand on. Everything he embodies is something that he's pretty much just picked up to get votes, I believe. Yeah. Um, do you think he believes it? Do I think? Um, I think Candace Owens believes it more than Trump does. It's hard to tell what somebody what's in somebody's heart. I mean, you got to take Money. into or you got to take into account like his full page ad uh, for the Central Park Five. 
how he wanted them placed in jail despite the evidence. Um, See, that's money. I think, you think that's that, money? I definitely think. I think he was trying to have them crack down on minorities in that area because Trump Towers and other big uh, housing developments are down there. So if you have less black people down there, you're more likely to get more white people to move in. I do think that was, I think everything this man does is for the bottom line of money. I don't know how much money he's made while he's been president, but I'm pretty sure in a couple of years, once he's out of the White House and they start doing some booking and be like, oh, wait a sec, he was actually making a profit off some of this stuff. Well, I mean, some of his deals have, um, trade deals or whatnot with China have gone to benefit, um, Ivanka's clothing line and stuff like that. Uh, some deals have gone in the favor to, or associations have gone uh, to help Jerry Kushner, her husband, as well. Um, so uh, it will be interesting to see because I don't believe he takes a salary, but uh, he is still getting benefits, especially when he goes to Mar-a-Lago for these trips. You know, this Secret Service has to stay at Mar-a-Lago, which they have to pay for. Or when he goes to when Melania Trump was staying at Trump Hotel uh, before she refused to move to the White House, the Secret Service had to stay there, but they had to rent out rooms, I think an entire floor uh, to protect her. And that goes into the uh, pockets of the president or at least his children. Uh, so, you know, there are loopholes. It will be interesting to see. It will be interesting to see the funds and the kickbacks that he's received as president as time goes on. Yeah, it's crazy because I do think this is that even if he rides it all the way out to the end of his presidency, I do think with some time and digging, they will uncover some some wrongdoing on his his part. He's just way too dumb to be not greedy. I'm sorry. I just feel like that's how all greedy old white men get caught. It's just you should have stopped, but you just had to keep dipping in like Bernie Madoff. That was the name that just came to my mind. Yeah. Every time I think of Bernie Madoff, I just think of Kevin Bacon because he stole Kevin Bacon's money. Six, de- six degrees of Kev- Kevin Bacon. <laughs> That was for all of our uh, younger listeners. That was an actual game people played back in the nineties. Yeah, apparently you can trace every person or celebrity by six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. Sometimes when I'm on Wikipedia, I go to somebody's Wikipedia page, and I try to see within six clicks if I can get to Kevin Bacon by by clicking on the links, the various links. Yeah, I only know Footloose and was it Dark. Dark Souls. Hollow, or? Hollow Man. Hollow Man. You're right. You're right. Hollow Man was a good movie. Uh, right. Have you seen Invisible Man? Yes, I have. Good movie. Surprisingly good movie. I enjoyed it. Surprisingly good, contained, modern. Um, wasn't scary one bit, but definitely a thriller. It was a thriller. I, I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. I did too. I, I really, really liked that movie. It was a good. I saw that around the same time I saw Birds of Prey. And it was like one movie I thought was going to be decent and another movie I thought was going to be bad and end up being switched. Okay. It's like Birds of Prey wasn't that good, but Invisible Man was surprisingly good. So, yeah, a little, little, always a fun surprise when you do that. Uh, but yeah, those, those last few things we talked about were all. It, Things we posted about on the community page. So if you want us to talk about any situations or you come across any articles or posts or videos, please post them on our community page and we will talk about them here on the show. Uh, main thing I really want to talk about today is the 
change going on in our country. And I say change in quotation marks because I really want to come together to talk about if this change that we are seeing is genuine or if it's just stuff that the community or the population is doing to appease people to stop them from protesting and burning things. A uh, number of things have been taking place. Uh, uh, there, there's NASCAR has uh, promised to remove Confederate flags from their tracks which is confusing to me because I'm not sure how big their black demographic is that they're trying to appease. But like I said, I respect the gesture because they do stand to lose more fans by doing this than, you know, appeasing black fans they may or have already had. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of black people tuning into NASCAR for this this reason alone. It's very boring. I don't know if you've ever said I've literally sat down and tried to watch NASCAR once. And it was just like just the cars driving in a circle. A hundred cars in a circle. And I was just like, I don't see how people do this, but good job, NASCAR. Uh, we, we appreciate it because we know you have no skin in the black struggle at all. Yeah. Well, um, I have heard about these rumblings for years where people were talking about the removal of the Confederate flag. Um, to me, I'm kind of, you know, kind of, you know, just in the middle. I'm, like, I don't really care just because it's something that doesn't really pertain to my life. And um, I kind of want to see where the Confederate flags are, where the support comes from. So if NASCAR is a place that supports the Confederate flag or the patrons support the flying the Confederate flag, et cetera, et cetera. I want to know where these places are because those are places that I don't want to patronize. I don't want to give my money. I just don't think I need to be associated with those places. So um, for black people calling for that, it's really quite interesting because I, it just lets me know that that's a place where I'm not welcome. And I take it as such. Yeah, and that, that's something else that's been happening online, which I'm very happy with, is people being exposed. Mm -hmm. And now we know the business owners who we don't want to give our money to. And I think we should compile a list of all those individuals in Kansas City. We should be like, they do not get the black dollar. Is it? Can you think of anybody off the top of your head or... Uh, there's been a few business, small business owner who, who have made certain statements. Uh, it's just, I believe one was like a aquatic shop and the other one was just, just stuff I don't shop at. So I was just okay. not like, let's burn that building down. But it, it's, it's certain people I'm just like, yo, thank you. Thank you so much for, for taking your hood off so we can see you. And a lot of these people do be, become very emboldened by their, their, their Facebook and the likes. And I had an individual and it, it, it really sucked because this individual is a, is an ex coworker of mine who I, I like to think we had a pretty cool relationship. Mm -hmm. And I, I just happened to go on the, see a, see a post about her complaining about the burning buildings and not the dead people by the cops. And in the first few comments were just like, Please make this public so I can share. And yeah, that's the truth. And people don't really look at it like that. And then came the backlash. Mm -hmm. Then came the full blown, let me tell you about yourself moment. And these were people, it was white people and black people just not even tearing this girl apart, just educating her. Heavy education, like heavy handed education. And I know a lot of you know what I'm talking about. When someone sits you down and suns you so hard, you got to rethink things. And then I go, I went back to the post to check it again. It was gone. Well, yeah, I, I have a couple of crusaders on my Facebook timeline as well. Oh, um, we're, we're about to get into you because that's something I really wanted to talk about because that was a long 
heartfelt post you made. But uh, this is this is something different. So we'll talk about this. But uh, I have a, a, young, a woman that I went to high school with. Uh, of course, uh, we graduated the same year. And so she feels it's necessary to post basically videos of Candace Owens and other as the black community would see it as Uncle Tom's um, and basically excoriating black people. Um, she commonly talks about the property va- properties uh, that have been affected, but never about the lives. She says, uh, this is not the way uh, to do it. Um, there's got to be a better way. And like I said, then she'll uh, she'll bolster that statement with videos of somebody who's black, but we, we would not agree with those statements. And so what I was actually surprised was after she had posted something with Candace Owens, uh, a white friend of hers had actually said, you know, I think you need to educate yourself more on what's going on within the black community and how they actually view Candace Owens. Candace Owens is basically a troll. She says things are intentionally fl- inflammatory and that she does not work at the pleasure or at the service of the black community, that she's actually someone who is, you know, an infiltrator. Yeah, yes, an infiltrator. And, you know, she she doesn't have our best interests at heart. She actually, I think Candace Owens, I don't even, I don't think she necessarily has the white community's interests at heart. I think she has her own interests at heart. Yeah. And at the beginning, that's really what I thought it was, is she was going to pretty much sell her black card for money. And then I was just like, nah, this can't be it. She's actually believes this. Like to go on live and be like, yo, I just felt it on my, I felt I had to make a statement to tell you that man was a criminal and I don't support him. It's just like, so you do support police murdering people who don't need to be murdered. That that's what you're cool with. But but I I just don't understand how you could say the family deserves justice. The police did something wrong. But the man's not a hero. He's not a martyr. He's not a martyr. He's not a hero. He's a victim. Definitely. Like we're not trying to make him into a messiah. We just want to make him into a man, into a human, which the police didn't see him as when they killed him. Because they're not out here killing other human beings. They just see us as subhuman individuals who are who are uh, dispensable. And another thing is uh, with this whole George Floyd situation, uh, the young lady that I have uh, that I'm talking about, she makes it a point to say, oh, two of the other cops weren't white. Uh, I think one was Asian and one looked mm-hmm. like he was black or mixed or something like that. And I'm just like, well, I don't think you've. Uh, heard ice cube say the white uh, black cops will show out for the white police uh, mm-hmm. they definitely need to be held accountable as well uh, so whether you're black asian mixed white i think that you need to be held accountable in your uniform because you are supposed to protect and serve your job is not to get home safely at the end of the day i'm sorry i think that's everybody's intent to get home safely from their job whether it's um you know, driving home on the freeway or whatever, you know, you're an electrician, you don't want to get um, electrocuted, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, as a police officer, as a public servant, your job is to protect and serve the community in which you are placed. Yeah, very, very, very true. Uh, people need to stop treating cops as if they were drafted into service. 
This is something you signed up for. This is something that you're compensated for. This is your job. So when you talk about treating us as if us as citizens uh, are, are an inherent threat that you signed up to protect, it, it's just very confusing. Like your job is to keep me safe. So by very definition, your safety comes secondary to mine. So when they when they try to say, oh, we need to get home to our family, so do we. And I don't know if you've been seeing these police union uh, presidents going off. The New York police. Was that the one who was just like, he's we're like, not thugs. We're we not animals. Be, yeah, we're not animals. We want to be treated with respect. And I yelled at the TV, we do too. That's um, what we've been saying. We're not animals. We're not thugs. Stop killing us. You have to see the video of when he's talking how they intercut all the misconduct of all the police officers from the NYPD. It is just amazing. Like there's a rebuttal for every line he says. Yeah. And I, I did see that, uh, guy. that guy was it. He's the ultimate snowflake. I've never seen anybody cry. Like, I mean, he wasn't necessarily crying tears, but he was being a crybaby on TV and needlessly. So he looked like a buffoon really yeah and it's it's just one of those situations where it's like do you hear your do you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth because if you could you wouldn't know how ridiculous you sound when when black people have been saying this for generations and generations and generations and the cops have still had their foot on our neck he's not and he, there wasn't a black foot face behind no him. it was just the sternest whitest wall of blue you can imagine like yeah you tell him boss right but yeah, it, it's crazy. And then we have the the situation with uh, oh, then you told me that you lost Facebook friends after that post. Okay, so a little backstory: like last week, I had made a Facebook post about my son. Uh, many of you may know that you know, have been listening for a while. My son is disabled, so I was basically talking about how when we go out, I have to be very cognizant of where I am. Because anything could happen to me or anything could happen to him. He is nonverbal, so he often screams out or makes certain utterances to uh, communicate, you know, to show his joy, to show his sadness, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I was uh, just stating that the case of Charles Kinsey, the mental health therapist uh, that was shot um, in 2016 while he was attending to an autistic young man. Uh, who had strayed away from the facility in which he was being treated um, was, you know, gunned down. I, I just basically had stated that that is the case that really affected me the most. Not Trayvon Martin, not Rakia Boyd, not um, Michael Brown, um, not Tamir Rice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that was the case in which I identified the most with. And I basically said, you know, when we're out, you know, I have to make sure that I'm aware of my surroundings. I have to make sure that, you know, we have to have a safety belt strapped to him. And when we're actually in our vehicle as well, that states that he is nonverbal, that he is not, not a threat, that he may uh, resist help or um, any kind of assistance. Uh, just because I never know if there's going to be some overzealous citizen like uh, George Foreman or the Central Park uh, Karen uh, who come in and George call. Foreman, the boxer. I mean, did I say George Foreman? You said George Foreman. <laughs> George Zimmerman. George Zimmerman. Excuse me. Uh, George Zimmerman uh, will come in or something like that, or there will be a case in which a police officer will have uh, imperfect information and come in and. Um, like, I appreciate the 
allies that we have. Uh, but, you know, I really want to see some action behind a lot of the allies, the purported allies words. Um, I don't want symbolism. I want to know what you're going to do with your power and your voice to make a change. Certainly, um, you know, I'm very grateful for the people that reached out, but then, uh, you know, you just don't want to come into contact with virtue signalers, you know, who's like, oh, I too feel your pain or I can't imagine (laughs) what it's like to be black. I was like, well, you can't imagine and you won't be able to actually experience it. So what are you going to do? I don't need your hope, your symbolism, uh, your words are nice, but what are you going to do with your privilege? What are you going to do with your power to make sure that people uh, that look like me or look different from you are protected? That are you going to these? Are you going to put your money where your mouth is? Basically, with these corporations that are saying, oh, we support Black Lives Matter. I'm like, OK, well, are you going to make sure that uh For instance, uh, you want to put more minorities in uh, leadership positions or you want to make sure that black women are paid equally to white men. Um, Are you going to if you're in the medical field, are you going to make a conscious effort to help black women and curb uh, the rate in which black women are dying in childbirth or dying from uh various forms of cancers. I mean, that's where the action comes in. And so, I mean, your, your, your words, your symbolism, that's okay. You getting black lives matter on your Starbucks cup. I I really don't care. It's like, what are you going to do for us to actually show action? Yeah. The issue with police violence is, is just one leaf on the tree of problems we got to deal with. We got to re, we got to revamp the educational system. We got to revamp the housing system. We got to revamp the prison induction industrial complex. There's so many facets that we have to redo from the ground up that this one issue, once we get it solved, if it is going to get solved, is not going to be the end of it. It's not going to be the end of your support. You can't just be like, well, we solved that issue. We're done with it. It's going to be an ongoing issue. It, it took 450 years. Of, of BS followed by another 150 years of, of social injustice to create these problems. It's not going to get fixed in the course of a, a few months of protesting. Definitely not. No, but I, I was able to find Uncle Ruckus uh, through my diligent research. His name is Jesse Lee Peterson. Would you like to hear a quick clip? Sure. Once again, I got this notice yesterday that I made the Akatom list again. They had some hard hitters there, but... I made the Akatom list again this year. Uh, uh, I'm number two out of five on the list. I I got the second position. Yeah. I am still Akatom. I have been Akatom for 22 years. Uh, And I'm just okay with that. Akatom. And I have an Ruckus. Let's hear a little bit more of my uncle. Uncle Ruckus, so the folks to know that I'm proud of my uncle. Oh yeah, I've seen that guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he's on Fox News. He's he's pretty much this is like YouTube stuff too. Yeah, yeah, he does a show where he interviews people and he makes he goes out of his way to make black men, black particularly black women, look bad. Yeah. I've seen that guy. Yeah, he, he's he's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not into anybody that 
sits up here and makes black women look bad. Like, that's just honest. You know, Malcolm X talked about the most disrespected women on this planet, especially in this nation. Yeah, that's black women. And this man is really what I have seen him write on or say on YouTube is just disgusting. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, you're like me. You listen to different viewpoints. So you got to uh, know your you know your enemy. Yeah, you have to know your enemy. So in doing so, YouTube picks up that algorithm and sometimes just puts the most racist, vile people in you, your you, feed. You might be interested in David Duke. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and like I'm not saying Ben Shapiro is analogous to this person, but you know, I you know um, they'll then put a lot of Ben Shapiro in my feed, et cetera, et cetera, to click on because they think I may be interested in. And this guy pops up and I was like, what is he talking about? And he talks about like monkey babies and stuff like that. This guy is abhorrent. Welfare queens. Yes. And talking about black women with blonde hair and stuff like that. I mean, he's just a horrible, despicable human being. And it's just black women look way better with straight hair. Why wouldn't you want straight hair? It's just like, man, you are a sellout. You are tap dancing. He, anytime he's on Fox News, he enters the, the screen by saying, you are absolutely right. Absolutely. There is no racism in America. Black people are lazy and they just want an excuse to be lazy. And I'm like, oh, please, somebody. You know he's, he's married to someone named Barbara or Karen. I wonder what his wife's name is. Betty. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Karen. I mean, it really, it really pisses me off that there are these changes coming about and me thinking it's solely due to white people being genuinely afraid. Like, is this the end of our country? Is this going to be the great revolution? Uh, the, the race war we've been waiting on. And it's just like, okay, what could we give black people? Fine. We'll take down the Confederates, uh, monuments, which we had once again talked about on this podcast about a year ago. Right. When there was that, that big rush to remove those monuments, uh, and and once again, white people wanted to hang on to them for what reason? I have no idea because they lost the war. Mm-hmm. They betrayed our country. They killed U.S. soldiers. But yet you still want to memorialize these men and then and then look me dead in the eye and tell me it's not about slavery. It's absolutely about slavery. But even, even though it's in the Confederate Constitution that the, the white man is the superior race and that the subjugation of the black race is the uh, inherent uh, way of the world. You can't have a line like that in in the Constitution and be like, oh, no, it's not about slavery. It's about states' rights. What Heritage. Rights, what rights besides slavery ever are, ever is brought up when it comes to the Confederacy? Right to own slaves as property. Yeah. It's period, point blank, what it is. They wanted to own people. We said no, maybe not. And if they would have played their cards right, they could have had their slaves and then got compensated and eventually had to free them over the course, I believe it's five to 10 years Lincoln wanted to do. But he was pretty much going to compensate them. Now, they would have t- taken a loss because he was only going to pay them a fraction of what the, the, the person they owned was actually worth. Blue book value. As far as slaves went back in the day. You said blue book. Yeah. They, they'd be like, you know, slaves were especially a, a healthy uh Black man in the prime of his life, you could probably get, you know, eight hundred to a thousand dollars for him. So instead of a Carfax, a Negro fax. Exactly. Yeah, the black book. 
Okay. And Lincoln was pretty much like, I'm going to give you $100, which was an outrageous amount to give slave owners regardless. Like, you guys just got to give it up. I'm sorry. You got to give it up like Marvin Gaye. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. References. Mm-hmm. Urban Alchemy Podcast. Coming at you strong. But oh, we're yeah. starting out already, huh? I'm just saying, get ready for it. Uh-huh. It's going to be a different feel. Different feel. Whole lot, whole lot more, more gung ho here. We got, we got less people to answer to. <laughs> okay. Less angry, angry emails. Uh, but yeah, I, I just feel like Confederate statues should have, just like the KKK thing. This is something that should have happened years and years and years ago. And most people don't understand most of these monuments were erected during the civil rights era. To, or, or, or during the, the pro-white nationalists, we got to preserve our way, of, uh, our way of life. And these people are trying to make, make it seem like these have just been around forever. Like, number one, the Confederate flag that you all love so much isn't even the, fa- isn't even the flag of the Confederacy. It's just uh, pretty much a composite mm-hmm. of, of various flags. Every, I believe every state in the Confederacy had their own flag. So that one is just a piece that many of them took and put into their own flags. And you guys are just like, that's our flag. No, it's not. Learn your history. Read a book. Watch a TV show. It's plenty on YouTube. I don't understand how you cannot have this information. Why do I know more about the Confederacy than these goddamn Confederate sympathizers? Well, that's usually how it always is in terms of like uh, basically about history, especially when you're talking about black history or the history of this nation like people don't know that thomas jefferson is a A pedophile pedophile rapist and i know that mu the students were trying to get the statue taken down uh i feel they should have approached it differently just because i knew they weren't going to care about the plight of black people if you would have put it in a me too context and said well you know he was raping a 14 year old that was his dead wife's half sister i mean maybe they would have got a little bit more traction uh to be honest and i don't say that facetiously i just you know keeping it honest and uh you know just going on with black history i mean not necessarily black history but history in general where people think that um enslaved africans were somehow on a contract like indentured servants uh, rather than, you know, understanding that when you're enslaved, your family is torn apart, you're brutalized, raped, men raped, women raped, children raped, uh, children fed to alligators as sport. Um, uh, when you're whipped, you're not just whipped standing there, you're usually tied down, uh, all four limbs tied down to the ground on your stomach and, uh, you're whipped, flogged. And then afterwards, you're giving a lovely bath of salt water and mm. red pepper flakes to rub it in afterwards. Yeah. The, the term pouring salt in the womb right. comes from slavery. Yeah. But people don't know that. Um, or the person whipping you. Most people, this is a common misconception. Masters very rarely whip their slaves. Mm-hmm. It was either an overseer or guess who else? Another slave. Right. Many of the times it may be someone you know, because that's a part of the, the power dynamic on the plantation was we're going to make someone do something they don't want to do. And that's going to mentally break them. And then, you know, if you're going to whoop, if Eric beat me, I'm going to probably feel some type of way about Eric beating me. Right. And so now we have an issue. It creates uh, 
disharmony. Yeah, tension. It's it's that's it, that goes back to the make your make the slave relying on the master and no one else. Make the slave trust the master and no one else. That's why many of the great slave revolts never took place because it was always a slave who was willing to. Uh, be be the Uncle Ruckus and say, you know, you're not about to mess up the good thing I got going here. Yeah, Nat Turner's Rebellion. That's the one yeah. rebellion that probably had one of the... Did Mark Vissi? Yeah. Greatest chance of succeeding, but you always have that one. Harper's Ferry. Oh, with... Uh, John yeah. Brown. John Brown. That's probably... Um, that would have been a game changer. Yeah, that really would have been a game changer. Uh John Brown is probably the biggest ally ally in black history. That's not even like an overstatement at all. He was was a radical. Right. He was willing to kill people for black people. Like that's that's where my bar for allies is. (laughs) Like he was like he and and he he pretty much like to just break this down for those quick history lesson. He wanted to go to Harper's Ferry, uh, which was a military base Mm. with an armory, an extensive armory. He wanted to take the armory. He wanted to start uh, plantation by plantation revolts and start arming slaves to pretty much start an armed uprising, which a lot of people believe was one of the reasons the Civil War popped off. Mm. These people were just like, look. It's going to be a race war eventually. And this scared the hell out of white people. And they pretty much tried to go down there. He got captured. He got hung. They had to call in the National Guard because they were afraid that, uh, that he would be, uh, you know, rescued. And John Wilkes Booth was actually at the, at the execution, standing guard to make sure that, you know, he, I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, he was such a nutcase about the South. And it Mm. pisses me off because he's not even a Southerner. (laughs) He's a Candace Owens. Holy crap, John Wilkes Booth was a Candace Owens of his day. He was a northerner who but, pretty much was just like, you know what? I'm going with the other side. Well, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Read up about John uh, John Brown. Yeah, dude. He's a great guy. A lot of people, as a kid, always used to say, is this Abraham Lincoln? Because they kind of <laughs> look so yeah, similar. Very slim face, wiry Gaunt build. Face, yeah. Face, yeah. Yeah, that's what, what fighting for black people will do to you. It <laughs> sucks the life out of you. Think how we feel. Right. But yeah, just a quick history lesson uh, for you. You're welcome. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think these Confederate monuments need to go down. I, I don't care because I've been seeing a lot of protests where they're just like throwing grappling hooks and, and bringing them down like it's it's communist Russia taking down statues of the czars. Uh, but it's crazy and I don't mind it at all. Like, I'm sorry that your side lost. Like, there's no German movement to say we need to, to remember our heritage in the Nazis. Yeah. That's what makes, uh, America so unique. I mean, pretty proud of defectors basically. Yeah. Committing treason and sedition and uh, trying to usurp the U- U.S. government. So I don't, I don't the, understand. The South shall rise again uh, was a famous battle cry for like a hundred years before they realized the Confederacy is not coming back. Certainly not. So they might as well give it up. But hey. Yeah. And it's like they their whole argument, Confederate sympathizer argument is, well, my ancestors didn't own slaves. Well, if your grandfather was a Nazi officer, it's a chance he didn't kill any Jews either. But it's not like you're going to be like, well, we should be able to hang up his Nazi uniform. We should be able to fly a swastika. Like a lot of German soldiers were just conscripted conscripted into the Nazi army. Mm -hmm. A lot of Nazis weren't 
horrible people. They were just people who were soldiers. They were just Germans who were fighting for their country. And they weren't necessarily bad. But their descendants aren't fighting for the right to wave the Nazi flag. They're like, that was horrible. We don't even need to talk about that anymore. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, white people are so goddamn proud of the fact that you guys used to own slaves. And there was this whole romantic uh, notion of a Southern way of living. And it wasn't until recently when I, I saw a YouTube video about Django Unchained. And they were talking about Dutch, uh, the King Schultz and why he went crazy at the end, killed Leonardo DiCaprio. And I didn't realize this, but he was just so insulted. That they find themselves to be these sophisticated, dignified, refined people living in the European style that he was raised in, but they're actually brutal animals who he saw a man get ripped apart by dogs. It was, it was barbarism. Mm-hmm. And then they just, they just pretty it up with all this, you know, European swag. And it's just like, that's what caused them to flip the fuck out. And that's how I feel about America. Like we're this idea of freedom and liberty and independence but when it comes down to it you guys have no problem stepping on people's freedoms uh, life liberty and the pursuit of happiness is pretty much the tagline for this country if a cop can shoot me and kill me and take away my life that's strike one if i can de- be detained by a cop because he thinks i'm a criminal that's my liberty and it's going to make my, me and my family very unhappy if we get uh, attacked by the police. So that's all three strikes right there. But some for some goddamn reason, white people don't understand what the problem is. They refuse to see. That's basically what it is. They choose to, um, choose to adopt a blind eye. I mean, that's just basically what it comes down to. Because now there's plenty of education out there. There is this little thing called Google. Mm-hmm. In which you can Google some of these facts. You can Google about the, you know, CIA and FBI and what they've done to African Americans in the past. You can Google things on um, how mis- miserable J. Edgar Hoover made Martin Luther King's uh, final days. You can Google about slavery. You can Google about Reconstruction. You can Google about uh, the Tuskegee. <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> the Tuskegee uh, syphilis experiment. You can Google about Black Wall Street. A lot of people on my Facebook feed uh, who are white are just now finding out about Black Wall Street. And so, you know, they've made that their statuses of or shared stories and links to that as of late. So these are the stories that we've been taught and uh taught about since we were young you know um so it's it's just i think it's an unfair burden uh for black people to have to educate uh our white counterparts on history when there's so much information available now well just think about the white man's burden wasn't that a movie with john travolta (laughs) yeah it was a movie but it was also just a very famous uh phrase which yes, white yes, people yeah. would have to go and civilize the world and that was their right. burden uh yeah it's it's a lot of craziness going on in the world and i really hope that the change that is happening is genuine and is coming from the right place and not coming from fear because any kind of change that comes from fear is going to be temporary and once things even back out, it's just going to go about right back to the way it is. Right. So I really hope the these folks who are allies, quote unquote, are doing it for the right reason and aren't just being, you know, flippant and and saying this is the popular thing to do at the moment. This is the trendy thing to do at the moment. You know, you mentioned uh, people putting Black Lives Matter on their Starbucks cup, which I'm also done with Starbucks. F you. I'm done with your overpriced coffee. 
I don't know if you heard, they were pretty much like black people are black. Our employees can't wear black lives matter, uh, paraphernalia. Then they reverse course. They were, they changed. They tuned so quick. Cause people were just like, yo, what do you mean? Like you did the same thing with the, with the LGBT community. You said, uh, LGBT, uh, employees can't wear anything with rainbows. And then now you're selling rainbow mugs, LGBTQ mugs in your store. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Black Lives Matter. They're going to have a Black Lives Matter mocha pretty soon. Well, if that's the case, I mean, I, 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 I just, uh, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. Um, uh, it's interesting. I think, uh, Starbucks is a company based out of Seattle. Right? Seattle, very, okay. very, very progressive, very progressive, liberal, um, city. And, um, you know, you ultimately have these progressive views. Uh, and like I was just telling you, customers. Seattle is, is taken over by Antifa now. Like they own 10 blocks, yeah. including City Hall. But but yeah, just like I said, money is the bottom line. They're going to say, hey, we don't want to piss off our our main uh, demographic who may not agree with Black Lives Matter. But, you know, we don't want to we don't want to piss them off until the backlash comes. And now it's oh, oh black people are really mad again. So mm-hmm. now we have to appease them. Right. But yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Did you watch the show American Gods? No, I did not. Um no, one of my favorite actors is on there. It was an Ian McShane. Yeah, Ian McShane's on there. Uh, Orlando Jordan. Uh, you probably haven't heard that name. In a no. while. The band director from uh, Drumline. Oh, yeah, him. Seven Up guy. He He's in this show and he's actually, he was actually fine. His last name is Jordan? Uh, I believe so. It's Orlando something. I don't think it's Jordan. Orlando Jones. Jones. Orlando okay. Jones. Right. Yeah, he was actually fired from the show because uh they believed that his 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 character, Anansi the Spider, who was one of the greatest trickster gods in the pantheon of any any uh pantheon of gods around the world, mm-hmm. they pretty much said that his character sent the wrong message to the black viewers. And he was let go. And he was one of the best characters of the entire show. And I just wanted to play a clip. Of something that I watched recently, and I was just like, I wish uh, white people could hear this because this is pretty much the anger that's going on in the community, and it pretty much is set set up the show. It's it's a bunch of black men who were just captured from Africa on a slave ship, and he's praying to a Nazi to help him. And just give it a, give a listen. And you want help? Fine. Let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, a man got fucked. Now, how is that for a story? Because that's the story of black people in America. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, you all don't know you black yet. You think you just people. Let me be the first to tell you that you are all black. The moment these Dutch motherfuckers set foot here and decided they white and you get to be black and that's the nice name they call you. Let me paint a picture of what's waiting for you on the shore. You arrive in America, land of opportunity, milk and honey, and guess what? You all get to be slaves, split up, sold off, and worked to death. The lucky ones get Sunday off to sleep and fuck and make most slaves and all for what? For cotton, 
indigo for a fucking purple shirt. The only good news is the tobacco your grandkids are gonna farm for free. It's gonna give a shitload of these white motherfuckers cancer. And I ain't even started yet. A hundred years later, you're fucked. A hundred years after that, fucked. A hundred years after you get free, you still getting fucked out of job and shot at by police. You see what I'm saying? This guy gets it. I like him. He's getting angry. Angry is good. Angry gets shit done. And that's something that stuck with me. Angry gets shit done. And unfortunately, that is true because the angrier people are getting out here in these protests, the more shit is changing. The more changes is coming forward, the more people are willing to compromise their Confederate statues and Confederate flags and willing to uh, meet us halfway in the middle now. Because they see that it's not only black people, it's white people, it's Latinos, it's minorities who are tired of being just the bottom line being the stepping stone. So now we are all in this situation where it's like, look, this is not working for us. The way we have been doing things ain't been working for us. So we got to do something new. We don't know what that is yet. We're still in the planning stages, but please be sure that it's something new is coming. And for the first time in my life, I actually do feel optimistic about things. I feel like no matter what happens, Things are going to have to change. Either either people are going to have to go back to being full blown racist or we are going to start uh, pointing out racists and isolating them or something. But I don't feel like racism is going to be able to survive any longer in America. You're a little bit more optimistic than me. But... I said the first time in my life. <laughs> no, nah, racism is here to stay. It's not it's not going anywhere. It's ingrained in the fabric uh, of America is ingrained in the Constitution of America. Unless you're going to change the Constitution, then I don't see how racism does not continue to permeate throughout the future. Now, I understand there are these studies that uh, by the year 2050, you know, there will be more brown people than white people in America. But still goes back to the Constitution, may give the minority the power at that point in time rather than the majority. But still, that dynamic of power will still be held within the white demographic and therefore they cons uh, control the resources and the capital and therefore they'll be able to impose uh, racist policies still. Yeah, well, I really do feel like maybe, just maybe, we have more of a shot in this point in time, if we play our cards right, if we don't give way to hate, if we don't let our emotions get carried away and we we actually take this moment to act dignified, act not in anger, not burning things down, but sitting down and being like, this is these are our demands. This is what we want. And things aren't going to go back to normal until we get them. Maybe things will 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 change. Maybe if we hold people to the extent of if if you know somebody's a a misogynist or somebody's a a rapist you're not going to be like hey let me bring my friends around them 
Mm-hmm. Now, if we are able to make racism as bad as those other things that we can isolate people on and be like, I'm not going to associate with them because they're that. Maybe just maybe, you know, I'm all for you racists all living in your own communities. I have no problem with that. Go ahead. I'll move to Kentucky, Arkansas, whatever. Right. You can have that. But it's when you guys are in the, the metropolitan cities, like we were just talking about my neighborhoods getting gentrified. Don't move to my neighborhood and think you're going to change the, the demographic and think you're going to start calling the cops on people or think you're going to say, oh, this is the way things are now. I'm sorry, they're not. That's my problem. Don't try to live amongst black people and still be the racist. Well, that's all we have for today, unless you had anything else to pop up. No, just, you know, I hope you guys uh, really enjoy what we're doing here. Um, we really are trying to give you the best content uh, possible. So, you know, we really would like to hear your feedback, uh, what you guys think about what we're saying and what we're doing. Uh, just, you know, come continue to pour into the community page. Let us know your concerns. If you have any questions, thoughts, if there are any uh you know, topics that you want us to broach, just let us know. Uh, we're very responsive and, you know, we just love to hear from you guys, whether you agree with us or if you don't, you know, we just want to make sure that we have the appropriate feedback so we can continue to make the show better for you. Right. I'm glad you said that. Cause somebody asked me if you have to be an alpha to post on the page. No, you do not have to be an alpha to post on the page. You can, anyone can post on the page. That's how I get a lot of our ideas. That's how I, I get a gauge the temperature on many, many situations. So please continue to use that community page. We actually gained like 147 new followers since the whole all these protests have started happening. So people are listening and people are liking what we're posting. And people are enjoying the conversation. So please continue to keep all of that up and we will continue to do what we do. Once again, uh, I think we decided January 1st is when the actual legitimate relaunch, new logo, new name gets rolled out. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, thank you for everybody who has supported us thus far. And hopefully we will have your continued support as we try to do something new. And once again, this show is only going to grow with your feedback as well as your support. So please be vocal. We want our listeners to let us know exactly what they think and what can make this show better, what they like, what they don't like. And we will try to tailor make this show to all of your liking. So, so thank you all for joining us once again. Uh, like I said, keep on the lookout for our uh, pretty much new podcast. Uh, it's going to be called Urban Alchemy and our new uh, YouTube page, Urban Alchemy YouTube. So once again, this is John Michael Banks signing off from the Alpha American Podcast. As always, joined with my best friend, co-host, and just the voice of reason over here, Eric Hawthorne. Thank you all for joining us. All right. You all stay safe, stay blessed, and we will catch you later.
know? Just don't touch my horse, nigga. And he finally received that silence. Yes, this is compliance. The only black people I see dying are the ones complying. Our moms are crying, our wives, our friends, our co-workers are crying, and our sons are growing up without any leadership. And I don't think that this is unintentional. I think that there is something in you that makes you afraid of me. But I stand here to tell you that it's the strength of my people. We have lived for so long, we have done so much, and we have experienced so much pain that we can no longer stand for the hesitation. The hesitation is what's killing us. If you with us and you feeling us, then it's time to move. It's time to move now because now...